Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Jock Peterson on the Windy City Podcast. He's encouraging you to sing the seventh inning stretch as best you can, and you can win Cubs tickets and a tour of Wrigley Field. You can check all that out. Jock has been a good player for the Cubs and clearly has been enjoying his time in Chicago. I do ask him about whether he wants to stay here. And Jock is also staying optimistic about what this season could still be. Even after the 11-game losing streak, this has been torture. I feel for you, Cubs fans. I went to Wrigley for the first time in I don't know how many years last night. And there you were, all 28,000 of you still staying positive amidst the disaster that is the Cubs in 2021. Set up to fail after the Udarvis trade, and there was at least two months, two and a half months of hope. The Cubs were 11 games over 500 after sweeping the Cardinals on June the 13th. 11 over. The Brewers were hanging right there, but it just felt like, you know what? This team has something special. They're going to prove management wrong, all of it. But reality did catch up, and a lot of one-run losses, but then some just absolute horrendous blowouts where the talent disparity, depth, injuries, all of it just came into play. But You don't need me to rehash that for you. You know what's going on, and it's going to be painful, I think, for at least some of the moves that are coming. But we'll see. It's still up in the air exactly how active they will be able to be. I would be surprised, and we'll talk about this with Jordan and Brian Beto and Burnfield coming up here after Jock about, you know, who actually is going to go. I don't think... Baez, Rizzo, Bryant are all going to be out the door. I really don't. But I guess anything's possible. We shall see how creative Jed Hoyer will be. But first, let's get to Jock Peterson right now. Peterson, a happy man in a Cub uniform. Showtime. What's been the biggest difference for you being a Cub to being a Dodger? The day games. (laughs) The mountain day games. I'm starting to enjoy them, though. I get it hang out with my family after the kids aren't sleeping yet so it's actually cool it's like a nine to five rather than one to eleven so kind of 
kind of started to enjoy him a lot. How about Cub fans to Dodger fans? Do you see any difference out there? They're both amazing. Both amazing. I would say Cubs fans at Wrigley Field, they wear more gear. A lot more a lot more Cubbies gear than Dodgers gear. There's a lot of Dodgers gear. I'm not saying that a bad thing, but it's literally everyone's in a Cubs hat, shirt, jersey, something. So uh it was a big deal for you to, you know, leave LA. You'd been there for 10 years. It's, that was family for you. Does it feel like you're on a whole other level that you've gone through this transition? Definitely. That was kind of all I knew. And uh, super blessed for my opportunity to have here in Chicago. The fans have been super welcoming. The team has and the city. And uh, I'm loving my time here. And it's been a great experience. Do you think you'll be here after the All-Star break, Jock? You let yourself think like, you know, wonder what's going to happen. There's so many rumors around the team right now. I'm not really worried about it. I think that uh, we were in first place two weeks ago, and uh, we're a good team. So there's a lot of of season left, three months. I mean, it really has to come for you guys right now, I think, right? You're right. Last night was a good start, and uh, it was a tough little streak we went on, but – we were built for this, so it's all good. Cup fans, so what happened? Like, what would you say? I think it surprised us all, and uh, what are you going to do? It happened. You move forward, and it's unfortunate, but uh, keep pushing. So where did the trot come from? You got Fernando Tatis smiling at you on the other side when you're doing it. People are loving the expression on the field. I love it. I think it's great for baseball. Yeah, I don't know. We had a guy, uh, Nick Martini. He was on our bench, uh, funny teammate, and he was saying something. He said, hit a homer here. You got to hit a Tatis trot around third. <laughs> I think I hit a homer a couple of bats later, and I don't know. It was more so fun with the boys, and then I hit, like, another homer the next day, so I did it, and then I hit, like, another one. So I just kept kind of doing it, and it was uh, kind of just right of the vibe out. Boys were vibing, and uh, that's what it's about, having fun. Yeah, I mean, you come from uh, an enormously athletic family. Your dad, of course, played professional baseball. But the star of your family is champ, is it not? That's right. It is. Big C. If you just were to underline the blessing that he's been for you, what would you say? Um, yeah, it's uh, truly grateful to understand how privileged and lucky we are every day to uh, to be able to do what I do and go out on the field and be able to drive a car or do just little things that we take for granted. And uh, he's not able to do that, but he doesn't. So there's no feel bad for me. He shows up with a great attitude every day and loves life. And uh, so it just makes you take those little things uh, not for granted and, you know, just grateful for what we have and what we're capable of. Can you take us into the locker room as best you can on his motivational speech that he gave when you guys were playing yeah. the Mets? <laughs> I remember I was a rookie, and he's uh, – there's no training him. It's kind of like anything could come out of his mouth. Yeah, there was – I was one of the younger guys, and there was a lot of older guys there, and uh, I don't know. I was nervous, but it went well. He, uh, he crushed it. We came up short. Daniel Murphy was like the hottest player ever. And uh, he beat the Cubs too. So yeah. took us both down. Yeah. 
What's the difference for you from your perception of what the Cubs were competing against them versus actually being in the clubhouse and seeing it every day? Oh, great group of guys that are super talented and uh, like to have fun laid back and uh, yeah, super chill. Who are you closest with on the team? Anybody stand out? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. You know, I've built some great relationships. Jake Mersnick, Rizzo, Jay Hay. Yeah, a lot of good relationships on the team. So, You look like you're having a great time in Chicago, from what I can tell. I, obviously, I don't know you, Jock, but just watching you on TV, you're smiling all the time. You're. It looks to me like you're at home. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time and uh, having a lot of fun here. It wasn't fun the last 10 days, but uh, other than that, it's been amazing. And uh, we're going to get back to the amazing and winning some games. Did you come close to ever being on the other side of town and, and signing with the White Sox? There was those those rumors were going on in the offseason. I don't know about close to signing there, but I think I almost got traded there. They signed Adam Eaton fairly quickly, uh, which I think took care of their left-handed outfield need. But uh, I think I almost got traded there a few times a few years ago. So, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were interested in me a little bit, but, yeah, they – they pulled the trigger on Eaton before kind of quick. So, yeah. Just wrapping up your last one, working with Pepsi, you told your wife at like some late night hour and an epiphany that you were going to be a cub. Can yeah. you, can you, can you uh, rewind and just under, like, let us understand how you knew that maybe Chicago was going to be for you? Uh, just talking with some teams in free agency and, uh, a lot of teams were on me to uh, to platoon, and then it was kind of trying to figure out a place that I was going to be able to face some left-handed pitching and uh, get back to being an everyday player. So, uh, yeah, they, I looked at the roster, and it looked like it could be a good fit, and uh, it's been a great fit, and I'm loving my time. So you're not opposed to spending more time in Chicago after this year? Uh, no, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Love it. That works out. Brian Beto is in his normal Beto formation, but Burnfield is actually live in an Uber. That's the dedication that uh, Burnfield has for this podcast. He'll go Uber and uh, discuss all things Cub on a very important July 8th. Jordan, you all right in there? I am. I am uh, on my way to the, uh, the lovely 720 WGN, and my shift starts in 21 minutes, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, the versatility that Jordan brings, because what people don't know, they only hear what's on the pod, but behind the scenes, Jordan's ability to deal with my lack of schedule flexibility really <laughs> increases his war on this podcast. So yep. in the bit of work and the move that I have going on in vacations, I'm not going AWOL vacations, recall. Jordan's been able to, to really step up and fill different roles, which we really I mean, appreciate. I, I would also argue, Vito, that you have, because you have been balancing a move, two children, a family vacation, and your job and your life, all for this pod, which pays us all so greatly, obviously. Um, <laughs> but you, you have managed to be on as well. So we're basically people. both Ben Zobris. Is that what you're saying? Ben Zobris from a few years ago, not the current one. Fenzo Bris 
as a baseball player from a few years ago, yes, my yeah. my my personal life's a little bit different. I, I think say. it's yeah. very I think it's very obvious what's going on right now is that both of you are trying to distract yourselves from the impending reality of the entire team is about to get traded sometime in the next twenty some odd days, and uh, you're 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 protecting your feelings, which uh, I'm impressed by. Beto, how are you going to feel when it comes down that uh, Chris Bryant? Craig Kimbrell, Javi Baez, maybe even the great Andrew Chafin are all out the door. I love Andrew Chafin, by the way. Go ahead. You're going to be like, what are you talking about? But I, I drew a parallel. So I'm sitting on the 4th of July at home. And did you any of you watch The Wonder Years, the show? I did. Growing up. A little bit. Fantastic show. So much better than Boy Meets World. And I apologize if you think differently, but you're wrong. But I'm watching, the, I'm watching the finale, and I actually draw a parallel to – I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the Cubs of what's going on right now. Because if you remember in the finale, Kevin and Winnie don't actually get together. It's incredible. Like, you assume they're going to, and then they, they break up. They're starting to draw apart, and they had great times together, kind of like the Cubs did. And then there's a realization that they're eventually going to go to college. They're going to move on. It's expedited by the fact that she kisses this lifeguard, Eric, and that just basically starts everything where they have a conversation and she goes, she goes, you know what? I think this had to happen today, tomorrow, someday, because we're going to grow up, we're going to grow apart and it's going to end. So this losing streak is like kissing that lifeguard, Eric, to me, because literally that was like, oh my gosh, she's right. This had to happen because I would have been frustrated. I would have been like, should we have really traded him if we were within a few games? We could have made one last run, but this had to happen. And now that it has happened, I am full steam ahead. I've been wrong. I thought this team had a shot, but I think I'm like, okay, it's sell mode. I'm over it. It had to happen and it did. So that's my crazy parallel for the week. So I went to my first Cub game two years, three years, whatever it's been. It's been a minute last night. And of course they won last night. And I was there when go Cubs go was blaring through the Wrigley fields speakers. I was there when Rando fan in section 23 was dancing the night away to the YMCA, which by the way, I'd like to apologize to Cubs game day operations. I was on this podcast and made a very passionate plea to get rid of the YMCA, that it's embarrassing, that this is a cruise ship or not a cruise ship, and we're trying to get into the 21st century of baseball fandom. But last night, seeing Cubs fans in attendance, they absolutely just flat out love the YMCA. So I don't, I don't want to take anything away from they, the the fans love it. I'm the I, I need to up so you my flip flopped. I I did because I apparently this is am a cap style flipper right here. Well, I I. I <laughs> I apparently am just the morose dude that's sitting there, the killer of all fun. And I mean, these people are going nuts for the YMC. I'm like, you've heard this seven zillion times. They've just lost 11 in a row. I know that they're in the lead right now. How is it that you're so damn happy to get up or get up in the middle of the baseball game and dance to this song? But it doesn't matter uh, the logic of it. That's what they are. That's what they do. So you, you go Wrigley Field. Why would you get rid of something that half the fans love? And, and Usher Esther next to me was just absolutely having the time of her life. So I got sidetracked, by the way. Uh, but my point is all this. When Go Cubs Go was blaring, you know what I was thinking? 
they could do this. They could get hot. Uh, I went right to they could get hot. That's what I did. That is the essence of a Cub fan. I literally thought after 11 losses in a row once they won last night that something was possible, even with Jake Arrieta on the DL, even with an ERA of seven since uh, June 21st of the of the once dominant bullpen, even after getting outscored 83 to 35 in the last 11 games, losing games, 15, 10, 13, 3, 15, 7, 14, 4, 7, 1, having 7 nothing leads and losing 15, 7. I mean, I still believed after last night's victory. I want that on the record. Well, they don't have Eric Sogard to come out of the bullpen anymore. So uh, that that certainly is going to hurt. I, I, you know, I'm I'm thinking about Beto's uh, Wonder Years comparison here um, because I have a couple of thoughts on what is presumed to be the end of the Cubs golden years era. Um, one is that I think that, and we, we've discussed this on the pod before, but one of the thoughts that I continue to have is I didn't expect it to end this way because I didn't expect that the core of the team that won the World Series in 2016 would depreciate in the way that it has. And I don't think that the management of the team did because they operated as though they would not depreciate and that by the time these guys' contracts were up, that it would be a matter of how much to pay them all as opposed to getting rid of them all. The second part of it is that they could keep some of them, but they're choosing in all likelihood not to. And so there is a part of me that also feels like I didn't see it coming that the Ricketts family would no longer want to invest in the team. Now, I, I will caveat that by saying that I think that the history with them is that they are willing to invest when they feel it's a worthy investment and they obviously don't feel that paying some of these guys top dollar moving forward is a good idea. And I'm with them on that. If Javi Baez or Anthony Rizzo are the guys they don't want to give big contracts to. The one guy that I agree that is going to be someone that you're really going to feel nostalgic and almost hurt by him being on another roster is Chris Bryant because he is irreplaceable in the sense that how do you find another player who is as versatile defensively, as good defensively as he is at multiple positions and an elite offensive player? Like there are so few players in baseball. He might be the only one who is as good as he is from an offensive standpoint and as versatile and as good as he is from a defensive standpoint. He's going to be the one that hurts the most. So when they try, and listen, love Andrew Chapin love the mustache and the, the beater cars and the social media presence. He's great. See you later. You haven't been a cub long enough. Same thing with, you know, Kimbrel stunk for two years, get as much as you can for him. I'm okay with the rebuild. Beto is going to love the rebuild because nobody knows cub prospects better than Beto. But I feel like it's going to be, I'm sort of like at the point where mentally I'm okay with moving on for the most part, but losing Chris Bryant's really going to stay. That's going to suck. I'm going to hate it too. And since you brought up Eric Sogard, I did not know that uh, Sogard was traded or released. And apparently he hasn't been. So you got me excited. Uh, Burnfield. He's just, he's just on the, in, on the injured list. Correct. Yes. Correct. He's on the IL, but he's yeah. just no longer available for you to watch pitch in the ninth inning of the Cubs losing by 12 anymore. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, but, he, but he's, he's had more appearances than Kimbrel, I think, in the last two weeks, you, you, which you, is a joke. You you got me excited that he was gone and he's not. Also, a- can I quickly just say, too, that I'm going to the game tomorrow and I'm slightly annoyed that they won yesterday because I wanted to witness some more history tomorrow. And now tomorrow's tomorrow would have been game. number 14, right? Right. So which which yeah. matches the 97 season to start, right? The 14 yeah. games. Right. I just want to give a shout out to at Cubs related Brendan Miller. Uh, and I'm sorry, Jordan, that you didn't get to see number 14. It was sweet to be there when they <laughs> broke the 11 game losing streak. I'll always remember it. Brendan Miller on Twitter at Cubs related. What is the purpose of an Eric Sogard? I think that is an excellent tweet. As I was searching Burnfield's Eric Sogard, uh, we don't have to deal with him anymore, but yet we still do which is kind of amazing. I mean, the White Sox can DFA Adam Eaton. Can we get rid of Eric Sogard, up the vaccine level on the team, and maybe they can actually go out to – Up the actual performance of the team, too. That, too. That, too, would would be positively wonderful. What would you say you do here, Eric Sogard? Hey, Eric, let me tell you something. You need to do everything right to be in the big leagues, and being one of the non-vaccinated guys is, is not that. So, all right, I, I, I want predictions. What actually is going to happen? Because everybody is saying that they're going to make all these trades. I'm still skeptical that they're, they're the, the two-thirds of the roster is going to be gone. Really? Like, I could see Jack Peterson going somewhere. I could see Andrew Chafin going somewhere. I could see definitely Craig Kimbrell. But I certainly don't think all three of Javi, Rizzo, and Bryant are all going to be out the door. I would be stunned if they went to that level. I don't think they will. This whole, it's going to be a massive, massive fire sale that's never going to end until the deadline. I, I don't think it's going to go down that way. Do you guys disagree or agree? I think it's rare to have it line up where there's a situation that you have a seller's market, which you're having. And you have a bunch of guys on contracts that end after this, the subsequent season. Like, I mean, they're basically all ending. So I do think it's going to be, if it continues like this, uh, probably either way, a fire sale. The one guy that I'm curious about is the Rizzo piece, because I don't know if they think they can really get anything for him. And I don't think he's increased or even made steady his value after this year. We talked about on the pod, giving them like the hometown, like let's pay it for past performance. I don't even think they're going to need to do that at this point. It's like you have an aging first baseman that's losing his power. That's had lower back problems. And like, is he really that much more valuable than anyone else? I know he's great defensively. Javi, I'm curious too, but the Bryant, Kimbrell, Jocks, Chafins, like even like someone, maybe like a Tapera, if he gets healthy again, your guy, Danny Winkler, like, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see all of these dudes gone and just giving opportunities. And Zach Davies, I think, makes a ton of sense in a pitching thin market to move on from. Um, give but, guys like Thompson Steele innings. What like do you? Well, let, let, let me ask you, though. Do you guys I, – I have felt like it might be prudent for them to go full 2012, blow it up. However – I don't know that they can do it. And the reason is, like, everything you said, Vito, I agree with. The problem is, what are they getting for all these guys? Like, to me, you have to get at least one top 50 prospect for Craig Kimbrell for me to be excited about trading him. If you're going to trade Chris Bryant, you need two of them. Okay, so if, if coming out of all this, 
you get, like, let's say they trade a bunch of these guys, and then you end up with five of Major League Baseball's top 100 prospects, then I'll feel better about it because even if they suck, you feel like two or three years from now, there might be something there. But if they're not going to get that, then going full 2012 just to offload contracts only benefits the Ricketts family by making them a low-paid roster. Yeah, but you, you'd get that they don't care what you think. Otherwise, they never would have traded you, Darvish, for a bunch of eighth graders. You, you will, I mean, the, the, sixth graders. They're not worried about, well, I hope that the fans are happy with these moves. That's not how they're going to think. They're, no. they're, they're going to Well, no, think, no, I, I don't mean that. But what I'm saying is if they want to win again, which I, I presume that they do, regardless of that Darvish trade, I agree they don't give a bleep what we think. But I do think that they would like to win again because it's more profitable for them to win. They have a television network they just started. They don't want this team to go into the tank and lose 100 games a year for the next three. So I guess my question to both of you is that I honestly don't know what – I don't know what I believe the answer is, but do we believe they're going full-blown rebuild to suck, to get top draft picks, which might take four years for them to be competitive again? Or – do we think they're going to do some kind of half-baked, you know, trade a couple guys, not trade a couple guys? Because what you end up with, like, to me, it's a tragedy in a certain sense. If at the end of the year, some of the best players that they've had wind up only getting you a compensatory draft pick, right? Like, to me, if, if Javi Baez goes out the door, you don't trade him and you get a compensatory pick, that guy better turn into a hell of a good player because – that feels like a tragedy to me. Uh, listen, as far as them going in the tank and the money, last night I had four tickets in section 22, which is 10th row behind the plate. Those seats right now for that game as they do their tier pricing, but on a July weeknight game against the Phillies, those are $203.84 per ticket. That's a wow. so so a four lot is uh, what is that eight hundred and fourteen dollars or whatever it is, okay now minus the sixteen dollar beers right exactly well ten dollars for Bud Light and eleven dollars for Goose uh, walking around as I'm now be I'm an expert on pricing at Wrigley six so six dollars and ninety two cents for a soft pretzel at the window I can tell you so. My point is, and then so somehow last night there was a double booking of these seats, so I had to actually acquire more seats right before the game. So I go on StubHub. What do you think Section 22 is selling on StubHub three hours before the game? Um, Not even a half guess. price. So you're guessing half, which would be a hundred. Beto, one dollar, Bob. One dollar, Bob, is a great guess. They were going for 70 bucks. So let's just call it a third. Your tickets are worth a third. You're, you know, granted it's in the middle of an 11 game losing streak, but this is a 500 club right now, like, and, and coming off a pandemic and the, and so section 22 in between home and first, you know, phenomenal seat is going for a third. If you think, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but people don't have, I don't think they have the disposable income that they had back in the day. And when those seats were remotely affordable, 
now that is a rich person's ticket. And if you're paying, I just can't imagine. And, and by the way, I, I like I didn't re up the tickets in time. And and so they were like, well, you could slide. You can go here. You were, there was plenty of availability. Where do you want to go? Just OK, fine. I don't have my section 20s anymore. I'll say take section 22, which back in the day, you never have that, you know, the ability to slide over in the club boxes. But now because of what they charge, you do. So it just it just is an interesting component to me on what they're willing to do. And by the way, I don't think that they should th be thinking about that at all. Build a winning baseball team. Yes. Period. I'm with you. I don't think they have to go 2012 for a few reasons. One, A, these guys are coming up on the end of their contracts, so they're probably not getting re-signed. So that's a start. B, I think they, and I've said this at the beginning of the year, like they have some pieces that they can build, be part of the next winning team. I know Hendricks has been up and down. Contreras doesn't have the best year. They have some deep, the system that is the best it's been going back to when these guys first came up, 2015, 2016. You can replenish it with more trades a lot of money off the books they can respend. And then I know things can change dynamic wise, but the division stinks. It's not good. When they were doing this in 2012, you had the Cardinals that were perennial near hundred wins. You had the pirates were near hundred ish wins. The reds were really good. You were like, man, it's going to take three to four years to the brewers are playing well, but nobody's scared of that offense. Despite the pitching, the Cardinals stink. They don't have an upward trajectory. The reds are kind of middling. They let some people go. The pirates are the pirates. Like, you could replenish on the fly, spend some money in a great free agent, and you could be in the mix next year with guys under cost control. So I don't think it mimics 2012 at all. Okay. Just, and I know we're up against the clock here. Last thing, how surprised, and don't lie, how surprised are you that, 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 that I don't know, you had a no hitter combined against the Dodgers. You, you're, you're, you're having a decent start to the series. You're playing L.A. You played great against the best teams in baseball. And then 11 days later, you have the season is in, in essence over. Like at what point during the losing streak, were you like, you know what? I wasn't I, I, I can't believe this is going on or like, hey, you know what? Actually, this makes complete sense. I mean, well, I'm, I'm like it's it's kind of hard to. Well, I, here's what I would say. Yeah, because I, I think like. When you lose 11 in a row, it's great Twitter fodder because everyone hates everything. But the truth is, there's a lot of randomness that goes on, right? Like, if they'd gone 2-8 and eight during a 10-game stretch, no one's talking about it, right? No one's talking about it if they lost four in a row, won a game, lost four in a row, won a game. So the fact that they lost 11 in a row just provides for everyone to crap on them, which was deserved because they were terrible. But the point is, it's a little random that they were as bad as they were. What I would say is I'm a little surprised that it happened when it did because when we were talking about them being in first place a month ago, which seems like it was a year ago, they had won 21 out of 29, which in a normal season, when you have a stretch like that, it basically secures a playoff spot, right? Like normally teams will go 500 a lot of the way. You know, what, what do uh, baseball people always say? You're, you're 60 up and 60 down. It's what you do with the other games in between that determines your season. I thought, okay, you went 21 and eight during the stretch. You're probably in the playoffs. So the fact that they then went on to lose 11 in a row is surprising to me because of what they did before. That said, we did go into the season thinking they probably are somewhere around a 500 team. So maybe it's just that they normalized in the most cub of fashion, right? That they had to lose 11 in a row getting plowed every single game, you know, 15 to two, where Eric Sogard is pitching two innings in relief. And so, like, it had to be a laughable 
regression to the mean. But I felt I always felt like they were probably a 500 team or worse, and they are now proving to be that. But I think that the way it happened was surprising. I was sucked in. I thought we were winning it all. I was sucked in. <laughs> no, <laughs> so was I because I, st- I still felt like, you know, like I was saying to you guys a month ago, I mean, we have the tape that I felt like they had to operate, that they were, you know, a team in the mix because they were a team in the mix. But I think that what we've now learned as a result of this losing streak is that we got sucked in. They're not very good. And, you know, now it's time to look to the future. But I got sucked in. I'm, I'm there. Sucked in. It was so fun for five minutes. It was a great five minutes. I was incredible five minutes. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 2021 Cubs for the five minutes. We truly appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Uh, Now we're on hug watch official hug watch. Yeah. Yeah. For the next three and a half weeks. Thanks so much to Jock Peterson for coming on, by the way. Uh, We appreciate him as well. Uh, I love his swag. I love Jack. Love his mustache. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said if you go back and look at when Scottie Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls and who deserved the last shot of the game. If you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons and every other team that we had to get to those three championships, wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan. Can I get one shot? This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. But when you say a racial move. Well, why would, why would Tony, who was a rookie, get the last second shot and you put me out of bounds? That's what I mean, racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? By saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil a racist. I don't got a problem with that. Do you think Phil was or is? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? You name someone in professional sports that would do that. You know, I think he tried to expose Kobe in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach. And you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players this is a circle and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about well it feels like he's disloyal i don't know if that makes him a racist well that's your yeah way of putting it out and i have my way i was in the locker room with him i was in practices with him uh you're looking for him afar At Men's Warehouse, we know there are things you only realize you're ready for when they're right in front of you. Get ready for your wedding with exclusive styles from Vera Wang and Calvin Klein. Complete packages starting from $99.99. Only at Men's Warehouse. Additional charge for big and tall sizes. See store website for details. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.